Intermittent fasting is one of the best tools to burn body fat, reduce inflammation, and feel really good. But here's the thing. It's very popular to practice intermittent fasting. And what I see is that the majority of people actually do fasting the wrong way, where it actually causes inflammation and potentially weight gain. I'm gonna reveal to you five intermittent fasting mistakes to stop making today. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. I have taken thousands of students through my course and different protocols on keto and fasting, and I have accumulated the top five mistakes, and that's what I'm gonna share with you today. When I get to the final tip, it will be the most shocking one to you, but bear with me, it's gonna help you really figure this out so you can get amazing results with this tool we call intermittent fasting. So just a preview of what we're gonna to cover today, how fasting works to burn body fat. We're gonna talk about a process called hormesis. Wait until you hear about that. Why women should practice fasting differently than men and women who have a menstrual cycle need to do it differently than women who are postmenopausal. So we'll talk about how men, women do it differently. I'm gonna give you a protocol for each of you as well. We'll discuss fasting and thyroid health, debunk a few myths surrounding that, why people feel like crap during a fast, and also the best way to break a fast and the worst way to break a fast. And then towards the end, I'm gonna actually give you some different fasting schedules to make this really work for you and make it seamless for you to get amazing results with fasting. Let's start off the conversation here. Fasting is a stress to your body. And when you hear about people on Dr. Google or YouTube University on, or your social media platform bash fasting, what do they say? You can't fast, it's too stressful. Women cannot practice fasting, it's gonna wreck their hormones. They're right and they're wrong because fasting is a tool. A chainsaw is a tool and a chainsaw can get you incredible results for the person who knows how to use that chainsaw. But a chainsaw could hurt you if you don't know how to use it, if you've never read the instruction manual. So it's not really the tool that is bad, it's the person who wields it. So with fasting, the people who say you cannot practice fasting because it's too stressful, that's the same thing as saying you should never exercise because that is stressful. Here's the thing, stress is vital for health and fat loss and longevity as long as your body adapts to the stress, as long as your hormones adapt to the stress. This is called hormesis, and I don't wanna bore you with the scientific definition, but the perfect example is this. If you've never worked out in the gym, or it's been years since you did your last workout and you got inspired and you go do a workout, you cause a stress. Let's say you do some dumbbell curls or some bench press, whatever it is. You cause a stress, you get sore, you sleep, you recover, you get stronger. Your body adapted, you get better. You burn more fat, you feel good. That's an example of hormesis, but here's the thing. If you did a 45 to 60 minute CrossFit workout 
as that first workout back into the game of fitness, it's too much stress. Your body's not gonna adapt. You're gonna be a sore for a week and it's probably gonna wreck your hormones a bit. So was it the workout that was the problem or was it the dose? Same thing with fasting. Fasting is one of the best ways to stress your body in a good way where it adapts and gets stronger. I want you to really understand this concept. The number one priority for the human body, the innate intelligence is survival. And when you force a stress, the body needs to adapt. That means when you practice fasting in the right dosage, I'm gonna teach you how to do that today, good cells get stronger and bad cells don't adapt. The mitochondria get better and stronger. And then the bad mitochondria, these senescent cells don't adapt. Your body gets rid of them. It also does incredible things for the gut microbiome. But in the case of this video, fasting is one of the best ways to lower inflammation at the cellular level, to lower glucose and insulin, and to burn body fat. The reason we have body fat around our hips, our love handles, etc., it's stored energy. And fasting is the best way to access that because with a fast done the right way, insulin drops and now it opens up the door to the stored energy. So it's one of the best ways to burn fat unless you're doing it the wrong way. So with that being said, let's get into the five mistakes people make with fasting causing weight gain and other problems. The first mistake is that you're still burning sugar and you're not fat adapted. Allow me to explain that real quick. Out of the 70 trillion cells in your body, you are either primarily burning sugar in the form of glucose, so we're gonna use that interchangeably, or you're burning fat in the form of ketones. We'll use that interchangeably. Ketones, fat, glucose, and sugar. Those are the only two primary fuel sources, and 88% plus, at least here in America, of adults are sugar burners. They've taught their cells to only burn glucose. And here's the thing, you hear about the amazing benefits of fasting. You're best friend, your wife, your husband, your coworker lost 100 pounds with fasting and you think, oh, I'm gonna go and do a 24 hour fast tomorrow. I'm gonna burn some body fat, but you feel awful. You feel like crap and you're saying, oh, this doesn't work for me. You're going hypoglycemic. You can't function. You're hungry, you're angry, you are hangry. You're what Dave Asprey calls hypoglybitchy. What's happening here? Your blood sugar levels, when you're not fat adapted, when you're so used to burning sugar, will drop as you attempt to go and do a fast. And the blood sugar in the brain will also drop. And guess what happens? I mentioned survival is important. If energy drops in the brain in the form of glucose, the brain will send the body intense signals for carbohydrates, for sugar, and you might have the best discipline in the world, but you're gonna feel awful because your blood glucose levels will drop because you're a sugar burner. You're not used to burning fat. Somebody who is going to feel awesome with fasting and get amazing results is a fat adapted person. And I have good news for you. As I mentioned earlier, I've taken thousands of people through different keto and fasting protocols and I have a really high success rate with getting the majority of them fat adapted, burning fat instead of sugar, in seven days. So I'm gonna give you the two steps right now. The first step is gradually decrease your carbohydrates every day until you lower them to an upper limit, meaning maximum total carbs you're having each day by day seven is under 50 total grams of carbs. And ideally you want those carbohydrates coming from green leafy vegetables, maybe some low glycemic fruit. Don't just do it in one day because the average person might be used consuming about 300 grams of carbs per day. 
you don't want to drop that below 50 that's not going to look good or feel good so gradually decrease it so by day seven you're under 50 total grams per day and there are some free apps out there to track it you could simply go on google i use an, a free app called chronometer if you go to chronometer.com keto camp you can download it for free we'll reference it down below with a link so that's the first step the second step is something called the 2222 rule and i outlined that in my latest best-selling book called keto flex the 222 rule is as such write this down i'll put notes down below for you as well but the 2222 rule every day starting on day one for those seven days every day consume this it's two tablespoons of olive oil or avocado oil two tablespoons of grass-fed butter or grass-fed ghee two tablespoons of mct oil or coconut oil and the final two is two teaspoons not tablespoons but teaspoons of sea salt here's what's going to happen you're lowering your carbs as we mentioned with tip number or step number one and you're incorporating all these healthy fats so what it's going to signal to your body and your cells is well glucose is dropping because we're lowering carbs insulin is dropping because we're lowering carbs but here's all this amazing dietary fat let's go burn that it's going to get your body familiar with burning fatty acids which is what we want to do if we're gonna practice more fasting and feel good while we practice it. And the sea salt is there because as you lower carbs, your body releases excess body weight, which is terrific. You'll look lighter, feel lighter, but with that, there's kind of this diuresis process, I call it electrolyte dumping, where you lose a lot of minerals and electrolytes. So the salt is there to just help you replenish those electrolytes. Those are the two steps. You do that for seven days and you go into your fasting schedule. Now you're gonna be burning fat, feeling good, and you're going to crush your fasting schedule. The second mistake people make with intermittent fasting is that they eat whatever they want during their eating window. And this is where when we look at studies that are coming out there and say intermittent fasting doesn't work for weight loss, intermittent fasting doesn't work for this. I look at those studies, by the way, and I, re I review them and I see what was done. And they're not really educating the patients on what to eat during your eating window. And this is a big mistake a lot of people make. They think just because they're doing an 18-hour fast every day or 16-hour fast, they can eat a whole bunch of inflammatory food during their eating window. But I'm here to tell you a truth bomb when it comes to fasting. How you break your fast is just as important as the fast itself. And what you eat during your eating window is just as important as the benefits you're getting during your fast. Because... When you're going through your fast, as I mentioned, you're dropping glucose and insulin, your hormones are becoming more sensitive. This is key for losing weight and burning fat. And if you break your fast with the wrong combination of foods, and I'm gonna share that with you right now, that would be a high carb and a high fat meal, that is a mistake because that high carb meal will raise glucose and then insulin will shuttle the glucose into your cells, open up the cell door uh, to bring the energy of that glucose into the cell, that's how it works. But if you had fat with the carbs, guess what goes with the, the carbohydrates, with the glucose? The fat, and it slows down your fat loss efforts. Plus, you might have some really wonky glucose spikes and not feel really good as that glucose will crash. So we do not want to break a fast with high carbs and high fat. A perfect example of the wrong way to break a fast would be like cheese and crackers or a sandwich with um, some fat on it. Not a good idea. Now, the ideal way to break a fast is with fat and protein. So I'm gonna give you some really practical examples here. Bone broth is probably one of the best ways to break a fast with. Uh, it is loaded with glycine, amino acids, it's protein, it's fat. Get a quality brand or make it yourself. 
Eggs and avocado, great way to break a fast. Steak and eggs, great way to break a fast. A high quality, maybe collagen protein shake, great way to break a fast. And then outside of that, outside of the meals from breaking your fast, the other meals you're consuming during your window, you wanna stick with protein, fat, and fiber. Uh, I love an insulin-friendly diet, like a ketogenic approach, that's what we teach. And we could teach you a lot about that. We have a whole bunch of videos and a 10-part series playlist here on the YouTube channel. But keto and fasting go hand in hand to really lower insulin and lower inflammation and help you burn fat. Now, a lot of people don't realize that their fast is being broken. Uh, they have certain liquids and maybe chew certain gums and it negates a lot of the benefits or even some to a lot of the benefits of your fast. You know, one of my favorite benefits of fasting is a process called autophagy. And that's a process that gets turned on with fasting, with exercise, and other things. But your cells start to recycle and clean out the junk, essentially. And glucose and autophagy kind of have this inverted relationship. So when glucose goes up, autophagy goes down. And during a fast, of course, glucose is dropping, so autophagy is going up. And a lot of people make a mistake by having certain liquids that raise glucose and it breaks some of the fasting benefits of the autophagy and sometimes starts the digestive process and you lose some of those benefits that you would get with fasting as well. So I'll share this with you. The, the most, if you wanna get the biggest bang for your buck with fat loss, autophagy, gut health, and all the amazing benefits with fasting, have only water and sea salt during your fast. You'll get the most benefits. That's kind of a purist standpoint, but let's say you wanna have coffee and tea. Does that break your fast? It's one of the most popular questions I get. I always tell my Keto Camp Academy students, I don't know, it depends. You have to test your glucose right before you have the coffee and tea and then test it again 45 minutes later. And you could do this with any liquid, by the way, because what we will see, if it does break your fast in the autophagy, we'll see a glucose rise of five points or higher three days in a row on average. And But here's the thing, it's different for everybody. You might have coffee and tea and you see that rise. I don't see that rise, I'm one of the blessed ones. But you won't know until you test. But you might figure out that, hey, coffee is safe during my fast, tea is safe during my fast, different liquids are safe. The only way to know is by testing your glucose. And we use a machine called the Keto Mojo, and you can get that over at ketocampmachine.com and use the coupon code KETOCAMP at checkout. We'll drop a link for that down below. And then gum is another popular question I get. Most gums will not break a fast uh, unless it has some sugar in it. They typically have artificial sweeteners in it. So I'm not a big fan of gum during the fast because it just kind of tricks your brain to think you're getting food if it's, a, if it's a sweetened gum. And it might signal some different, like it's called a cephalic response to insulin, meaning it might create an insulin response thinking you're getting food but you're really not. So if you're gonna have gum, have it during your eating window and if you're gonna have liquids during your fast, test your glucose before and 45 minutes after. The third mistake people make with fasting, this one is a kind of newer research out there and I don't like this because I gotta tell you, the mistake is that people are skipping breakfast and they're having lunch and dinner. And for me that schedule works better but the research shows it's better to have breakfast and lunch and skip dinner. Let me, let me explain. This is called early time restricted feeding. And I have seen this, uh, I've experimented with this and I've given this early time restricted feeding protocol to a lot of my Keto Camp Academy students without anything changing and they've noticed some amazing results, not just with fat loss, but with sleep and other 
uh, things they paid attention to. But there's some research out there. Dr. Sachin Panda has some great books about the circadian code, the diabetes circadian code. There's also a great study that came out from the University of Alabama, Birmingham from Professor Dr. Courtney Peterson. And the study wanted to look at, okay, if we have individuals who are practicing intermittent fasting, but the only difference would be one group would be practicing intermittent fasting, but this group would have a, an eating window later on in the day, a 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. eating window. So they would have lunch and dinner and they would skip breakfast. And the other group they'll match it to would have the same amount of calories, the same fasting um, time, but they're having breakfast and lunch and skipping dinner. So the other group was 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Everything was the same. They controlled everything in the lab. The calories were the same. The amount of, of fasting um, length in the window was the same. The only difference was one group had breakfast and lunch and the other group had lunch and dinner. Would they see a difference? And they did, unfortunately, because I, I prefer to skip breakfast, but here's what they saw. After just four days, they looked at different metrics. They looked at glucose and insulin. They looked at something called the LC3A protein, and that's how they measure autophagy. We spoke about autophagy earlier. They also looked at something called the CERT1 gene, which is a longevity gene, protects your DNA, helps with inflammation. After four days, the group that had breakfast and lunch and skipped dinner, so the early time restricted feeding group, had 22% more autophagy after four days and 10% more of that CERT1 gene after four days. So this is the mistake you might be making. You might be skipping breakfast and having an eating window later on in the day. If you just swap that around and had breakfast and lunch and skipped dinner, just by doing that, you'll notice more results in just a matter of days. And I'll reference that study down below in the notes as well. I've noticed a lot of people have issues with caffeine, especially caffeine in coffee. Now, don't get me wrong. I love myself a cup of quality coffee, but the truth is I've seen so many of my Keto Camp Academy students have a glucose spike from caffeine, knocking them out of fasting or creating some digestive issues, bloating, and most commonly, jitters and irritability. We know excessive caffeine and caffeine sensitivity can cause adrenal problems, which has a lot of negative effects it makes you more dependent on the caffeine and it puts you in this sympathetic fight or flight state. And for a lot of people, that is problematic. Everyday dose solves the problem of regular coffee while drastically building on its benefits with added supplements. What I love about Everyday Dose, it's low acidity, cold extracted coffee, and a micro dose of caffeine blended with collagen protein, functional mushrooms, and nootropics which will improve your focus, your energy, and your immunity. I just feel different in a really good way when I have Everyday Dose versus regular coffee, and I want you to experience the same. So if you wanna check out Everyday Dose, head over to everydaydose.com slash Ben, and use the coupon code KETOCAMP. You're going to get an extra five on the go dose travel pack to take with you anywhere you go. I take these travel packs with me, and it is a game changer because when I'm traveling, it's hard to find First of all, a clean cup of coffee, but almost impossible to find coffee with these functional ingredients. So head over to everydaydose.com slash ketocamp. Use ketocamp to get your bonus gift or click the link in the podcast notes down below. The fourth mistake people make with fasting that's causing weight gain is that women practice the same fasting schedule as men. 
That is a huge, huge mistake. Women and, and men should practice it differently. And we should also categorize different women at different cycles of their life. If you're menstruating women, you should practice it differently than a postmenopausal woman. Let me explain why. A menstruating woman, if we looked at a hormonal chart of a 28-day pattern for the menstruating women, we see different hormones go up and down and fluctuate throughout those 28 days. So it's more of like a 28-day pattern compared to the moon cycle, that moon, that full moon that comes out every 28 days. Cycling women have similar hormones. It's a 28 day pattern. So we see different hormones like testosterone, progesterone, estrogen, and others that will fluctuate. So based off of that, there are different times to practice fasting, even longer fast and keto for the cycling women and different times where you don't wanna to practice too much fasting. And I'm gonna explain how to break that down. So I just give the biggest tip out there for the menstruating women. If you have a monthly cycle, you do not want to practice fasting or keto the seven days right before your period because that is the week to build progesterone. Progesterone is a very important hormone that helps you feel calm and relaxed. And guess what? When you do fasting and keto the seven days before your period, you don't build progesterone, you deplete it. And that leads to cravings, that's why. Many women out there have all these cravings for carbs and sugar and chocolate the week before their period. That's the innate intelligence letting you know we need healthy carbs to make these hormonal conversions. There are certain carbs you wanna consume that week before your period to build progesterone. That's gonna be citrus fruits, some beans, and that's going to be sweet potatoes and no fasting. So keep that in consideration. Chapter 12 of my book, Keto Flex, has everything outlined week by week for you. Now the menstruating women, and then I'll get to the men. Actually, the menstruating women and the men, we actually put in the same category, more of a 24-hour hormone recycling pattern like the sun that comes up and down within 24 hours. And we utilize the 5-1-1 rule with postmenopausal women and men. And we use this in our Keto Camp Academy, but I'm gonna give you this rule right now. It's a seven-day protocol. Five days out of the week, you're doing an 18-6 intermittent fasting schedule with early time restricted feeding and you're eating keto with your eating window. You're gonna be in ketosis for those five days. Then the first one in the 511 is a 24 hour water fast where you just go lunch to lunch or breakfast to breakfast or even dinner to dinner, that works as well. The final one is what I call a keto flex day. That is a day and you could choose any day of the week to do this where it's one day out of the week, no fasting, you're having breakfast, lunch and dinner and you're taking your carbohydrates over 100 grams for that day to intentionally make these hormonal conversions. It's called the 5-1-1 rule. So there you have it. Men need to do it differently than women, and then women who cycle versus postmenopausal women need to do it differently. Again, chapter 12 of my book talks all about that. You can get the book over at ketoflexbook.com. I have the final mistake people make, and then I'm gonna give you some more protocols of fasting to kind of rotate in between. All right, let's get into the final a uh, mistake I see people make, and then I'm gonna give you some protocols that I like to rotate in between uh, in terms of fasting. The final mistake is this. It's gonna be shocking, but people practice too much fasting. Uh, before, I used to have to convince people to practice fasting. Now, I have to convince them to feast. Look, the human body is designed for feast, famine cycles. So many people who love fasting, myself included, fall in love with the famine, with the fasting, and we forget the feasting. And that will impact thyroid health. That will impact your weight loss. It'll actually create more weight loss resistance. 
When we hear people say fasting is bad for your thyroid and fasting slows your metabolism, I mentioned the right and the wrong. The wrong when you do it the right way, the right if you do too much fasting. So if you're doing OMAD for too long, which is one meal a day, I'm not a big fan of OMAD long-term. I love one meal a day once or twice a week, but if we've been doing that for weeks or months, it's time to feast, baby. That'll support the thyroid, that'll actually ramp up fat burning because it reminds your body that it's not starving. I also recommend on the days where you feel like you haven't gotten great sleep, you're stressed out, that's not a fasting day. If you're already stressed out mentally and your sleep is not rock solid, here's what's gonna happen. You, you, it's too much stress for your body to adapt to. So if that, if that was supposed to be a day where you're doing a 24-hour fast, but you feel really stressed out and you know you didn't get great sleep, uh, you make a pivot. You don't do a 24-hour fast. Maybe you cap it at 14 hours. What we like to utilize in our Keto Camp Academy is the Aura Ring. And it tracks something called heart rate variability. And it's not just the Aura Ring that tracks it. There's other devices, so whatever you wanna get, I just prefer the Aura Ring. But heart rate variability is one of the best things that we use in our Keto Camp Academy and that you can use to gauge if this should be a good fasting day or a longer fast versus a day where it's more feasting. Uh, allow me to explain real quick what heart rate variability does. It's one of the best measurements at assessing the adaptability of your nervous system. Your nervous system has two primary branches. You have the sympathetic branch and the parasympathetic branch. The sympathetic branch of your nervous system is the fight or flight. Go, 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 adrenaline, cortisol, and it's very important in spurts. The opposite of that is the parasympathetic branch, which is more rest, digest, recover, repair. And that's also very important in spurts. A healthy person has a healthy balance of both. The heart rate variability is giving you the uh, general idea of your balance and your adaptability. So in general, the higher your heart rate variability, the better. Now, you're not gonna compare your heart rate variability score to anybody else because there's a lot of genetics that play out there, but I always tell my students, get your heart rate variability score for seven days and then get the average and then build from there. And you want it to increase over time. For example, when I first started testing my HRV, I was getting 38 as an average, as my average HRV when I check it in the morning. And now my average is around 65, 70. But once you know your average, then you can decide if you see it below average, that would be a day where you don't do much fasting. If you see your HRV above average, that would be a day where you do more fasting. It's a great way to assess a fasting day or more of a feasting day. Now that I've given you the five mistakes, I'm gonna give you three fasting protocols that we use in our Keto Camp Academy that we rotate in between for amazing results. I've kind of shared a little bit already in this video, but the first one is a daily 18-6 schedule. And again, we mentioned having those meals earlier on in the day. So that can be like an 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. eating window and then fasting outside of that. You do wanna make sure you're getting enough high quality protein during your eating window. That's gonna be very, very important. So an 18-6 daily, that could be a good long-term approach. We also like to rotate that with a 24-hour fast on a good day that you feel like you could fast once or twice a week. And then we also throw in something called a block fast, three or more days of fasting. You gotta figure out when the right time to do that is and we really make sure we're looking at glucose and ketones. But those are the three primary fasting tools that we kind of utilize. And there's other 36 hour fast, 48 hour water fast as well. But the three that we go to is a 18-6 daily, 24 hour once a week fast, 
and then a block fast once a year. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to watch the video version of today's episode, you could go to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash ketocamp. Leave the show a rating and review. Share it with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.